Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Public Health Networker. This is one of two in a series to commemorate Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Today we're speaking with Camille Magante. She's a Filipina based here in California. She'll be sharing her story and how she got started in the field of public health and some of the features of what it's like to live in the United States as an API, Asian American and Pacific Islander, what it looks like in terms of public health, what are the factors that the community is living with, and what it's like culturally in the United States in the context of public health. We hope you enjoy this episode. And to learn more about us, visit publichealthpodcasters.com. Are you feeling burnt out and exhausted in the field of public health? Do you feel like you're constantly working and never taking time for yourself? We need a call to action for all of us to prioritize rest and self-care in our lives as we care for other people through our work and to resist that notion that we've always got to be on. I'm so excited to announce our upcoming book club, which is an interactive workshop throughout the month of July. We will be reading the book, Rest is Resistance by Trisha Hersey, a powerful and inspiring book that highlights the importance of rest and self-care, especially for those of us in the BIPOC and public health communities. We will also be discussing related texts as they relate to public health literature, and similar authors on the theme of rest as a form of resistance and self-care. Throughout this book club, we will be exploring how we can liberate ourselves through rest and having meaningful discussions on how to apply these concepts to our own lives with the context of public health and BIPOC awareness and allyship. We will also be providing resources and tools for you to practice self-care and rest throughout the month of July and onward. We will provide you with a copy of the book, Rest is Resistance, and related texts as you join us for a month of reflection, connection, and growth. We can't wait to hear your thoughts on the powerful book, Rest is Resistance. Sign up for the book club today at publichealthpodcasters.com slash book club. And let's take the first step to prioritize rest as resistance. Today, we're speaking with Camille Magante. She is here in San Diego with us, and she is a student at San Diego State for her master's in public health. Hi, thank you, April. Thanks for inviting me today. So tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got started in public health. Sure. So I actually am a San Diego transplant. I recently moved here a couple years ago for work to work in labs because I know with the early on in the pandemic, a lot of laboratories, hospitals, um, and even biotech companies were looking for fresh grad undergraduate students to work in the laboratories to create, um, you know, help create the vaccines for COVID. So I actually started my foot in industry, uh, working in the chemistry lab. Um, helping create um, synthetic mRNA for the COVID vaccine back in 2020. And then I started for public health. I, I was mostly interested in undergrad. I got my bachelor's degree in biology, double minored in sociology and Asian Pacific studies, and realized I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to go the medical route. And I knew there had to be something else down the line for me where I can look 
and support the Filipino, Filipinx American community um, with research. And during my time in undergrad, I knew that I struggled with finding um, resources, articles about PhilAMs, um, especially with autoimmune diseases and other um, health disparities that may face. And so um, after undergrad and then a little bit of my time in industry, I wanted to go back into um, pursuing my master's in public health, um, specifically in environmental health to see what environmental factors may cause certain health disparities among the Filipino American community. Mm -hmm. So you're the perfect person to talk to today. You've got this context in, I mean, even with the pandemic, You thank you for your work helping with mRNA vaccines. Uh, thank you so much for your understanding in public health and in you know South Asian studies. This is perfect. We're going to have such a great conversation. Excited. So tell us a little bit more about the landscape. What are we looking at in the United States as it relates to Filipino American, uh, Filipino health? Well, this is a very broad question, and I guess it depends what you're looking at or who you're looking at. But I know a lot of, um, you know, Philam communities are facing even more mental health struggles, which is, I think, probably one of the top you know, things that Philams are facing, as well as COVID. Obviously, within the last couple of years, COVID has been, quote unquote, dropping off, but we still see Philams and other Asian Americans and other communities who are still contracting COVID, even with the vaccine and still with these, you know, the mask mandates going away and more people are getting sick. But with, you know, the government and with with professionals or people of empower saying that it's okay to have it now, it's not okay to get to get sick or to have COVID be a normal thing to have. Um, just because it's killed so many people within the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Thank you for mentioning that. And this is something that is so important to me, so important to the Public Health Podcast Network. This is why we got started, getting that message out, communication of correct information, science-based information, so that we can actually protect and prevent things like COVID. Yes, it's, you know, a lot of what people say with, you know, the United States or, you know, being, what is that? There's a phrase that people say, it's like, once you're sick, then we take care of you instead of preventing it. And I believe like, as a young public health professional, I think it's truly important to focus on preventative care and finding ways to prevent it before it even happens in the first place. And so with COVID, with mental health, like I really want to look into ways to support the Philam community by, you know, providing resources, correct information, and being able to have or be a source for others to know like this is the correct information and this is what should be followed in order to prevent future illnesses or to protect my own health. Or in the community that you interact with, uh, what is important in public health right now? So besides COVID and um, mental health, I know some other chronic diseases that some folks are looking into is still, you know, whether it be heart disease, looking into even um, other cases as of, I know, but I know we always talk about heart disease all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I know something that's been brought up within the last month or so has been heart disease and then Filipino American food and how 
our food tends to be, um, you know, quoted as fatty, oily, salty, and then how it can relate back to this is why philams quote unquote have heart disease or have all these other diseases that may contribute to that. But you can't blame, I personally don't think you can blame a community or a group of people for having this disease because of their food. You have to look into the history on why our foods were like this. You know, our people came or immigrated here as early as, you know, when the first Phil Ams back in Louisiana, not necessarily Phil Ams, but, you know, they jumped off ship to Louisiana or back in Morro Bay. But for the waves of Filipinos and the waves who are still continuing to come immigrate here, a lot of it is due to, you know, colonization, lack of resource, lack of sources of where they can get their food and they have to find ways to survive in an unknown environment. And so, you know, a lot of doctors or nurses or even like, our own community will say, oh, our food is X, Y, and Z, and this is why we have these diseases. But if you look at it critically, these are the reasons why, you know, our community is facing these types of diseases in the first place is because we moved away from our homeland. We had to find ways to supplement. And unfortunately, colonization after, you know, Spanish and U.S. Um, colonialism put a big impact on what we eat and how our culture currently is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, U.S. culture, Western culture is very alive in the United and here among the fellow community, obviously, and in the Philippines. So whether it be all the fast foods, all the different types of, you know, what's popular in the U.S. is also very popular in the Philippines as well. Yeah, there's a lot to say about acculturation. It's yes. such a traumatic, it it has a lot of um stuff to it, you know. Yeah, um, I know public health people love to talk about acculturation. They like to talk about it in terms of like something that we have to have. I don't I think it's a there's a lot of meaning attached to the term acculturation and it's not always healthy. No, it's unfortunately not. You know, I believe that acculturation, you know, you know, coming here, it may come with it or living in the United States, you may end up, I guess, having acculturation. But, you know, there are still ways that I guess not necessarily can be 100% avoided. Do you know what I mean? I think that's what's really difficult is that, you know, we're still, especially uh, second, third, fourth plus generation philams are now facing is how do we, I guess, navigate that. And because our parents don't know, my grandparents don't know, and there's not necessarily a book on how to navigate, you know, health, navigate our life and navigate like, you know, what's here for us. It's like, as a community, we have to like come together and really find that we can rely on one another to continuously, I guess, as I keep repeating, navigate our lives and maybe in our cultures through like this time and even for future generations ahead of us yeah I think that's definitely something that needs to be discussed and um I would love to go into that a little bit more with you off the record I mean there's just a lot <laughs> yeah. there um and then if you think about like I mean we hear it a lot too with like Mexican food is this Chinese food is this you know but then if you look at traditional foods mm -hmm. right you'll see that we didn't have these health issues, right? We, if you were to look at the culture, the heritage, the history mm -hmm. of um, the food that people have been eating, we find that people have lived longer lives, they've been healthier, they've been thinner, yeah. they've been smaller, skinnier, whatever. Um, they've had lower um, diabetes and all of that stuff, hypertension. 
has so much to do with acculturation. Definitely. I know, um, actually, from my undergrad research senior paper, I wrote on something similar to this, or kind of like along the lines of acculturation, um, and how food has impacted Filipino American health, like, um, like second generation and beyond. Um, Like many research articles or individuals have looked into a lot of Filipinos who are from the Philippines and then they come here to the United States are usually healthier, um, mainly because of possibly the foods they ate back at home were fresher. There wasn't as many, everything was possibly more organic. There was some preservatives over in the United States. Um, And I'm not saying the Philippines does not have those things, but it's from research and from what a lot of folks have been looking into is that usually those who have come here at a younger age from the Philippines or have were born here, they tend to be less healthier. And now the question is, is how do we break that? How, as we as Phil Ams, are we going to break the cycle of being quote unquote unhealthy and being un, like less healthier than, you know, our grandparents or great grandparents who came here? And most of it is, you know, by educating and understanding that these healthy alternatives are within reach and that the I guess people brain you know brainwashing those that this is too expensive or these foods is only what we have when there's other ways that as a community, I know some nonprofits do, um, can't think of any at the top of my head, but I know nonprofits, farmers markets, et cetera, mm-hmm. all within like certain areas, whether it be in San Diego are within reach. And it's just, I guess that culture of identifying, oh, these foods are unhealthy for me to eat. I'm not saying you shouldn't eat your spam corned beef, eating a lot of rice. I'm not saying you shouldn't eat those things because you enjoy them, but it's in moderation, right? You can't unfortunately eat those every those things every single day, although they may be easy things to whip up on a, you know, on a Wednesday night, there has to be ways that children or, you know, even my generation are finding ways to be healthier. Um, and one of them is definitely by reaching out to others, you know, a lot of people in the community if someone sees one doing this you're most likely to do that it's like a um what do you call that it's like a cop kind of like a copycat and mm-hmm. kind of like people yeah, I mean we're like, seeing it with the pandemic human nature right kind of just uh peer not necessarily peer pressure but <laughs> definitely example following by example yes following um, by example is a, a really big thing and I know that once I honestly believe um once there are more options and I'm saying there are currently but once people see like my generation, generations before me and then after me are seeing that there are ways to still enjoy our food and to have a a healthy lifestyle. I think that's one of the main things that will really get people into understanding their overall health. One book called like Decolonize Your Diet. And I mean, a lot of the recipes are kind of like difficult to make. It's um, it's from Latinas. And it's, you know, some of the stuff is just, this could take hours and this could take a long yeah. trip to maybe going across the border to get the stuff, you know? Yeah, there's got to be a balance. There's got to be a way, you know? There has so- to be some way. And I believe that's what's so beautiful about, you know, sometimes like there are, you know, fusion chefs, there are, you know, cookbooks that people provide to, you know, whether it be a healthier 
way to create, you know, your favorite dishes. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying these are super accessible things, but they should be. And I'm hoping like over time that, you know, community members like you or me, or even those like that can help, you know, keep contributing to the the youth or to young people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love, you know, the energy and, you know, the potential of, you know, our next generations in public health to be able to think of these new proactive solutions for prevent actual disease prevention. Yeah. Um, I have a peer over in the Bay Area. Her name is Dr. Bernie Lim. I'm not sure if you've you've met her or heard of her. She's, yeah, we met her. She's fantastic. Oh, and yeah, she's wonderful. She, I know that she talks about like, you know, what are ways that we can, instead of writing this research paper for, you know, like other people, what are we doing in our own communities? Like, what are the changes we're doing? Like, yes, I can write this book. Yes, I can do that research, but how is that benefiting my people. And if it's not benefiting my people, what am I even doing in the first place? And I think that's something that her and other people who have like kind of talked that way or speak about, you know, public health like that, it's inspired me to, you know, if not, if not now, when, who will do it if you don't know who's going to do it? And so it's whether it be myself or the people around me, like coming together, you know, it takes the village to make these changes. It's not just one individual, but it does take one or a few people to be inspired and to, you know, start it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's really important is once someone starts it, everyone will follow. Everyone will possibly support each other. And then, you know, especially if they want the same goals, what ways can we work together to achieve those things? Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, definitely. We're familiar with Bernie. Um, we spoke to her recently about her work with Freedom Community Clinic. I love what you're saying. We need to build those tables. We need to start those communities. We need to cultivate these and begin the process of of healing and and uh, recreating and you know, whether it be decolonizing or, you know, we just need a new, a new form of acculturation. We need yeah, to definitely. Yeah. What we don't, you know, I don't know what that looks like yet, but you know, it will form, you know, it'll happen over time. We'll, we'll see what that is, but I know there's a lot of great people in the community who, um, you know, are striving to, make things work or striving to you know achieve those goals of you know having a like the community having a healthier lifestyle having better food options understanding their own health by you know providing free resources or pointing them to the right resource to understand themselves more Mm -hmm. thank you so what can you tell us um maybe you know if in a nutshell like what are some things that you want us to know I think something that we have to remember is that the history obviously didn't start in America. It started in the Philippines. And in order to know what was what's happening here or what's ha- what has happened here, everything has an origin somewhere. And I always strongly recommend to folks is that you have to know about the origins of, you know, why these issues are still here and why it's followed or why does it continue? And so that's something I strongly tell folks when they wanna learn about Philam history, where do they start? They have to look at Philippine history, start with colonization, why 
our people are like the are like this or are known to be like this and how did we come here in the first place whether it be through spanish colonialism you know us imperialism all that stuff is because of we're here because of that and it's something we have to embrace although at times it sucks for lack of better words it sucks to think we're here because my homeland my mother my you know the motherland unfortunately wasn't able to provide for my family and it's not my family's fault for coming here strongly urge people to always look back of you know how we got here in the first place or why your family is here in the first place thank you for sharing that and I think a lot of us don't know that story I don't know that story you know (laughs) it's really hard you know a lot of a lot of these stories are traumatic. You know, my great grandmother, rest in peace, um, she would talk about in World War II, how the Japanese came. She would talk about Spanish, you know, how Spanish was still spoken in the streets when she was a young girl. And no one likes to talk about, you know, um, the like, the Marcos regime. No one wants to talk about how they had to flee their homes because they might be killed. And in order to do that, they had to come to the United States where things were better. But when they come here, it's not as easy as they thought it would be. They still had to work hard in order to get what they needed to survive. And for us to, for even me and my family to continue higher education and to have these great things, you know, that me and my sister are always like forever blessed with. You know, it's it, it's um, something that requires a lot more time and depth of understanding. But I always do wonder, like, what is that better life phrase? Like, what does it mean to people? And mm-hmm. whether it's really happening? <laughs> or not. I, I think about that quite often, or at least I started to think about it more because, um, you know, growing up, my parents, they, they were conditioned to believe leaving the Philippines will be the key to a better life. Mm. So coming to the United States will provide my family a better life, a better, better health and better education. Although those things did happen, I wonder if it's like, if that's how they, how it was then and how it is now, like if that's something that they still strongly believe and I think I asked my mom or my dad not too long ago and all of both of them say they they don't regret leaving you know they don't regret it but I know people who still want to go back to the Philippines because it's where they were born what they're familiar with and it's like now that they have a better financial situation they can go back Mm -hmm. and it's it's really hard to like, I guess, as a person born in the United States, like, this is my home. And I can't think of what it would be like to just uproot myself and move it somewhere else and move myself somewhere else. It's like, how do I, the thought is so hard to like grasp. And I think like over time that, you know, folks will realize that, you know, whether it be things happen for a reason, but it's, it's just, the better life, I wonder, you know, it it's different for everyone. Um, I think what's beautiful about having these goals is that a goal is something you can achieve, but a dream is something you're going to keep going for that may not even ever happen, 
So I always tell people like always have a goal, mm-hmm. whether you don't need it now, but you can always have at least have one that you can always strive for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the dream is kind of the first step. And then the goal is yes. like you actually put it into practice. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of your goals in public health? Some yeah. of my goals in public health. I have two goals, two goals at the moment that I think are pretty achievable And well, one of them is in my current workplace in industry, um, because I work in biotech, um, I, my goal is to promote health and well-being in industry and how that works is, um, our environmental health and safety departments in biotech companies, they usually provide ways on how can we prevent this to happen, this injury, this illness to happen? What are ways can, can we provide a better working environment for our workers at our current, you know, at our current workplace? And although it's not a big community, and although it's not the whole entire San Diego County, the fact that I myself can create a better lifestyle for the people who, for my peers, for my coworkers, is something that I strive to do and that I my goal is to make sure that you know everyone has this so they have a better posture they everyone do this because it will prevent the cold the flu you know the COVID to spread among us and just like different things to you know that's one of my current goals like at least within that's something reachable for me and then another goal of mine is once I get my MPH who knows, even my doctorate, I don't know yet. Um, I would love to teach at the university level, whether it be at a community college, at the Cal State, at the UC on minority health disparities, focusing on Asian Americans um, or whatever community I'm in, I would love to focus on those disparities and how, you know, all of these were mostly struck are are base are basically structural. It's not just the environment, it's not just politics, it's structural. Um, and why communities are more likely to have XYZ diseases. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, there's a reason for so many of the things that we're talking about today. A lot of it is in the design. It's in the history. Yeah. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing with us today about Filipino history, Philam history, and public health. Thank and you. So, thank you. How can people get in touch with you? Sure. So I... Instagram, I'm pretty active on. It's I called, found you there. <laughs> yeah, public, it's publichealth.panai. That's where I post my public health journey, um, journey in public health, journey through biotech industry, and just like journey like as a young adult. Um, no one wrote a book on how to live <laughs> live an adult. And so, you know, I I love posting like my realities on how how crappy my day was or these are the things that excite me. This is what's happening in my public health journey or in even my biotech industry journey. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Public Health Networker. Continue the conversation with us at our upcoming July event on rest as resistance as we talk about public health, colonization, BIPOC experiences, and public health. So that'll be an interesting conversation and interesting journey throughout the month of July. Also, we have a couple more episodes as it relates to public health and API heritage. We hope you'll join us in the coming episodes ahead. 
To learn more about us again, visit publichealthpodcasters.com.